In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Friends, I want to be candid this morning. There's a whole lot that I am uncertain about. My prayer life and my practice of the daily reading of Scripture is helping to ground me in this uncertain time. But I still worry. What do I worry about? I worry about decisions around school this fall. I don't know what to do that is best for my children in our community. I'm also concerned that people are so divided about this that friendships will be lost and a sense of peace and goodwill will be lost in our community. I worry that I haven't seen my parents in about five months and I don't see that changing anytime sooner. We haven't seen Ian's parents much longer than that and I wonder if we will again. I worry about the divisions in our country. I worry about the staunch corners we put ourselves in with a failure to listen and learn from each other. Our resistance to any form of criticism on whatever position we hold, and our general lack of commitment to respect the dignity of each other. I worry about how this will play out in all walks of life. I worry how it will play out in our church in an election year, and all other churches that have been hopeful places for all sorts of people. I worry about the economy and the jobs that have been lost, and how that will play out in so many people's lives and how that will continue to hurt people. And I worry that the pandemic makes it harder for us to reach out responsibly in safe and loving ways. I worry that the world will continue to be cruel to those who are different than whoever is in power, and that we won't listen to people who are scared or hurting or angry. I have other worries. What about you? Now, I suspect by this point that some of you are saying in your minds and maybe to your phones or your televisions or to the people that are seated next to you, John, I want some good news, not this worry. Well, don't worry. We worship the living God that says that all things are possible. We worship the God who says in Paul's letter to the, to the Romans in this epistle that we have just heard from Steve that no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. So don't worry. We worship the God that brought life out of death. What should we be worried about? But y'all know, we worry nonetheless. It's hard not to. So let's talk about that. Where does your worry come from? What is the source of this worry? Does it come from the conversations you have with family and friends? Does it come from what you read online? Does it come from the websites you browse or the memes you share, the people you follow, or the conversations at work? 
I've also been thinking about the church during previous pandemics. And when I worked for the Diocese of West Tennessee, um, our diocesan offices were on the second floor of our cathedral's um, chapter house. And below my office on the first floor was the dean of St. Mary's Cathedral. And that proximity to St. Mary's became increasingly important to me. Most Wednesday mornings, I would come in early and I would park in the cathedral parking lot to the west of the cathedral. I'd walk around the nave and into the courtyard and into the, this little chapel on the east side of campus called the Sisters Chapel. It was named for the Sisters of St. Mary's who ran the original convent and school there at that location. Did y'all know that we had Episcopal nuns and monks and all that good stuff? And every Wednesday morning, there was a community Eucharist followed by a breakfast with a packed crowd of people from all walks of life, um, mostly housing insecure people, but it was one of the most beautiful gatherings that I've ever been a part of. But the chapel was also on the site where the Sisters of St. Mary's stayed, specifically in 1878, as nearly 5,100, over 5,100 people in Memphis died that summer. Many others were fleeing to, to the outskirts of town or moving up the river to St. Louis. And a woman named Sister Constance and three other nuns and two Episcopal priests and the, propriet uh, the proprietress of a bordello, all working together, stayed behind to tend the sick and the dying. They're now known as the Martyrs of Memphis. And on September 9th every year, churches throughout the Anglican Communion remember them in their prayers and celebration of Eucharist. And I'm wondering today, what did Constance and her companions worry about? Which leads to, I think, a deeper question. How do we reach out in love when the world is so crazy? How do we share and model God's sacrificial love when there is so much to be worried about? And now we arrive at this Sunday's gospel. It's an interesting reading. It feels um, a little bit disjointed. It's a collection of statements about what the kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. It's like yeast. It's like a thief, and it's like a merchant. And then the really funny thing is at the end of the passage, the disciples claim to understand exactly what this means. These 12 knuckleheads that never get anything else somehow manage to comprehend the kingdom of heaven. What I'm finding interesting is the similarities of the examples of the parables. The treasure is hidden. The pearls are hidden. Even the good fish are hidden among the net. And if we really stop and think about yeast and the mustard seed, they are hidden as well. You don't see yeast. We didn't, we didn't know about yeast when beer was first made because we couldn't see it. When yeast is mixed in with flour, it is completely undiscernible. At first, there's no way to tell if it's there. You have to wait to see the product that emerges. 
after some kneading, somewhat down the line, the bread will rise. Mustard seeds are hidden as well. These tiny and almost weightless seeds would have gone unnoticed among the weeds. When they're scattered, there would have been no orderly rows, no picture-perfect farm, as we would imagine them, voila, bushes, emerging trees, respite for the birds. And so what each of these has in common, for to apply this to the kingdom of heaven, is if we want to find the kingdom of heaven, we have to look for it. We have to learn to see what is underneath the surface, hidden right there in plain sight. So back to our question for today. How do we share and model God's sacrificial love when there is so much to be worried about? I'm going to be bold. I think it is as simple as knowing that the kingdom is there and believing that the kingdom is there of learning to trust that God's providence and love is hidden among us. Or at least it is hidden until we learn to see it. And if it's hidden, this moves us, instead of a place of pushing everyone away in suspicion and anger, we are moved to a place of curiosity. Because we have to discern where that kingdom is. I keep wondering if we spend too much time looking for the wrong things. Maybe we have become addicted to worry or anger or outrage instead of being people who are looking for the way God or the kingdom is present underneath hidden until we find it. Maybe it is as simple as searching, spending a little bit more time searching and trusting that it is there. My friends, we are promised the kingdom of God. It may be hidden at first like a mustard seed, or like pearls, or find treasure. So may we look. May we be open. May we discover God's love in the midst. So that our worrying dissipates. And our ability to reach out in love grows. Amen. You are invited to make.